Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short, about a 13-minute Bible study every single day. Gets us into God's Word. Helps us to stay strong in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. But it also helps keep us focused on our relationship with God and to have a more spiritual and therefore positive mindset to be able to deal with life every day help people in your life. You know some, probably some within your own family, in fact, who need to change their focus of their life. They need to come to God through Jesus Christ. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day, with everybody you can, your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can these lessons, these studies. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. In the first section of this, last week, we asked the question, can God save a crook? And of course, as we emphasized, that word crook, that designation of a sinful lifestyle, that was simply representative. Can God save you fill in the blanks, a murderer, a rapist, an adulterer, an adulteress, a liar. Again, the list goes on and on and on. And the answer, as we studied through that particular uh, section of our, our line of thought and study, was yes, God can forgive. God can save even the worst of the worst. In fact, the Apostle Paul identified himself as the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said. And Luke 19 and verse 10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he does not qualify some group over here that might be lost as being exclusive from another group over here who might be lost. He just said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We noted that the great commission that, I'm sorry, the great invitation that Jesus extended in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 and 29 was to everybody, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. He did not leave any any one out, any group of people out from that open invitation to come to him as the Savior for forgiveness and salvation. He died on that cross to taste death for the sins of all mankind, Hebrews 2 and verse 9. Now, the follow-up in this particular section of our study is, well, kind of the comeback for a lot of people in their minds Okay, can God save a crook? Yes, but I'm not a crook. <laughs> Do you think you're totally righteous before God because you're not a crook? Or maybe not a rapist, or maybe not an adulterer, or adulteress, or a murderer, or the list goes on and on again. Do you think you're totally righteous? Do you think you don't need forgiveness and salvation? Well, we noted in... In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse, and verse 46, that the, the text tells us it, it, it's making a specific application to the people of Israel at that time, but the point of this is 
There is no one who does not sin. No one who does not sin. So that means everybody, all mankind, are guilty of sin. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20, the wise man Solomon wrote along the same line. There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Now, the sense of that is there is not a single person on this earth, no physical human being, who is totally righteous and does not sin. He's completely just before God, in and of himself, on his own, by himself, totally righteous. Solomon said, no, not a single one. So what does that mean? We all have been guilty of sin. When we look at Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, the prophet wrote this, again, along this same line. He said, we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities are like the wind have taken us away. We are all like an unclean thing. Our righteousness are like filthy rags. Uh, what does he mean? Basically, what we read in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 46, there's not a single person on this earth who has the ability to understand who does not sin. And as Solomon said, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7 and verse 20, again, there's not a just man in and of himself, by himself, on his own, who is totally good, totally righteous, and does not sin. We're all guilty of sin, every single one of us. We need to understand that. Now, in Revelation 21 and verse 8, we have one of those representative lists that we find in the scriptures on a repeated basis that warn us against sin. And so here we read, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that is a descriptive kind of identity of hell, eternal condemnation in hell. Why, why do we find these lists repeated through the New Testament scriptures, but not just there, Old Testament scriptures as well, warning against nobody in and of himself, by himself, on his own or her own, is totally righteous. We're all sinners. Because again, sin is our biggest problem in life. As I've emphasized many times, it's not climate change, it's not wars, it's not violence of different kinds, it's not epidemics and pandemics, it's not drought, it's not famine. We think we can save this earth. We think we can save the environment. We're not God. God created it, and God knows exactly what's going on, and God is all-powerful, but we're not. When we start thinking along those lines, that's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is sin. Sin, because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23. But God offers us eternal life through Jesus Christ. In that same verse, 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, let's turn to Paul's letter to the Romans in Romans chapter 5 again and verse 12. And here's what he says. This is our reality that we need to recognize. And so many people, they are so secularly focused. In fact, I would suggest to you that most people are primarily secularly focused. Now, what do I mean by that? They're not focused mainly in their life from a spiritual perspective. In fact, a whole lot of people, a huge percentage, they really don't even think about their spiritual lives much. Their souls, God's really not much in their head, not in their thoughts. But Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, and it goes back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now that's our biggest problem, sin. Why is there physical death? Because of sin. Now that does not mean that somebody commits a sin and God strikes them dead on the spot. No, but physical death is a reality for all of us, traced all the way back to when mankind entered into sinfulness, Genesis chapter 3. There are consequences of sin. And so we need forgiveness. We need salvation through Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? No, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, in other words, all mankind, that would have been that understanding of that particular, particular phraseology in, in that culture of that day, that they are all under sin. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. For all have turned aside and have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And then in verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all mankind. Now that includes you and that includes me. We all have fallen through sin and we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness desperately. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22, we read this again written by the apostle Paul to a different congregation, but it's the same point of truth that he is emphasizing that we need to become aware of and then deal with properly. Chapter 3 and verse 22, the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now there's again the other side of the ledger. We want that promise of eternal life, forgiveness, salvation through Jesus Christ, but first we have to deal with our sin problem. And that is the worst problem that faces mankind, our sin. We must be forgiven in order to be able to be saved and look forward to eternal life. In 1 John chapter 1, in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So when somebody says, okay, 
God can save a crook, but I'm not a crook. You're a sinner. And because you're a sinner, you need forgiveness. And that's only through Jesus Christ. We'll go a little bit further, dig a little bit deeper next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for offering us forgiveness. And through forgiveness, through Christ, salvation in him, eternal life. Father, help people all over the world see that this is their biggest need. They need to be forgiven. They need salvation through Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Lord and Savior, help people, help us individually, Father, we pray. Please forgive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.